get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Character is on vacation today. I believe he's playing golf. We were text- Again. Again, yeah, we were texting last night. But what else would you do if you're having a staycation in St. Louis and the weather was this beautiful? Wouldn't you play golf every day? He was at, uh, I know he put on Instagram or some. You know, I, I follow him on social media because he is a socialite. And so, um, you know, w- watching his swing at Top Golf, oh, you know, yeah. he, he oh, has yeah. been working at it. So he's either got, I mean, he's got blisters on his hands, and, and it's got to be from swinging a golf club at this point with, with as much time as he took off this week. That's the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, who's filling in for Randy. But right now, let's head to the Brown and Group and Celebrity Line and welcome in our friend Greg Amzinger of MLB, MLB Network. Good morning, Greg. Can you believe the Cardinals lost a game last night? I hear I was thinking they could go for 18. No excuses. Uh, let me tell you something. I, I don't know what the line was in Vegas for that game, but any team that clinches a postseason spot, you always take the other club the next day. I mean, they're having a party. They're, they're having a great time. They're unwinding. There was no chance. I thought it was impressive. They mustered three hits. <laughs> they had no chance. And, and extending it. I will say this. Harold Reynolds pointed it out, and I thought it was a lovely way to end our show um, at 1 a.m. Eastern last night. He said, look, there aren't many fan bases that get it like Cardinal Nation. And to see so many fans in a game that was out of reach for nothing, really. And you could tell they all looked hungover. And, and yet all these fans stayed and gave a standing ovation to a Cardinal team that lost for nothing and mustered three hits. And that is a testament to what they know. And that's that this club has been grinding 17 straight victories. They partied late last night. Give them a break. It was a game that they really didn't want to play. Mission accomplished. Let's talk about the wild card game. This is a great run. That's right. I I imagine there was a lot of Bud Light consumed the night before. But, uh, Greg, I always love talking to you, but I couldn't wait to talk to you this week because when the Cardinals clinched, a couple nights ago, the first thing that came to my mind was the story that you told us about Nolan Arenado at the All-Star game, coming up to you on the purple carpet and whispering in your ear, we're playing in the wild card game. And when you told Randy and I that story, Randy and I looked at each other and I, we both kind of gave the, oh, bless his heart, that that's what he thinks is going to happen because the team was not playing well at that time. And this is just one of those stories that seems like it's going to become one of the legends of this season. I hope it does because it is really that cool. And and, and what I've learned time and time again is no matter how much we think we know as fans, and and we're very well-educated fans. I mean, let's be honest. In (laughs) St. Louis, we eat, drink, breathe baseball. I mean, we kind of all think we should be a general manager for one of the 30 teams. Um, We don't know as much as these people know. We, We don't. 
And Nolan Arenado is a future Hall of Famer, in my humble opinion. I don't think anybody would disagree with me. He's on that highway right now. And when he looks at who they've got healthy, who's getting healthy, who they're going to play, who isn't healthy on the other teams, he, he's still chatting with players all over all over the baseball landscape. I don't second-guess players as much anymore. I try not to second-guess front office executives as much anymore. I still fall into that trap on the day of the trade deadline when John Lester and Jay Happ are the headline attraction for St. Louis, when other teams are getting Chris Bryant, Max Scherzer, and Trey Turner. I, I roll my eyes. But I try to tell my St. Louis friends, and this is a struggle for me. It is a struggle because everyone in St. Louis thinks they know more than John Mozeliak. They really, truly do think that. you got to trust the people that do this every day for a living. You know, I, I bring up this analogy. I really hope Cardinal fans don't walk onto every plane they get onto and go into the cockpit and go, show me your credentials. I want to see them. I'm not buying. I think I might be able to fly this better than you. No, you have to blindly follow those that are well-trained. And what more evidence do we need to know that John Mozeliak is well-trained at this? So the Nolan Arenado story is, is an epic one, and it goes to the point that these, these people that do this for a living have a better feel than the rest of us. Hey, Greg, a lot of fans have been curious about the, uh, you know, the, the continued rehab and, and, and I guess adjustments of Jack Flaherty, how the Cardinals are going to use him, how they'll go, you know, what do you do if you, if, yeah, I mean, I clearly, if he can, if he can help you for a couple of innings, you're going to probably put him on that, that playoff roster. But having said that, the, an interesting aspect of this season, the way it's gone is you got to go back to the first part of the year when Jack Flaherty starts the season off. I think it was like eight. No. Right. And mm-hmm. without that start from him, despite the injuries that he's suffered and then the, the tough year he's had to get, you know, to just get back in the lineup because of the injuries without that start, even with the 17 game win streak, this season could have a different vibe. I completely agree. I mean, you can lose a pennant in April. Everyone says you can't win one, but you sure can lose one. And, you know, what it did is it made the cute story of some 39-year-old curveball tossing right-hander an actual relevant one. And it it lit the fire that Adam Wainwright couldn't just be a a feel-good story. He had to pitch like a Cy Young contender, and he did. It got serious for Wayno and the rest of that rotation uh, because they, they dealt with so many injuries along the way. I mean, when you think of Kim and Michaelis, guys that you were relying on uh, to give you a lot of innings, and, and that did not happen. And then Jack Flaherty, who was a Cy Young front runner for a while, uh, going down. And now when you're looking at him, it's funny. We're uh, putting a, a few pitchers under the, uh, the postseason microscope. Uh, Luis Severino for the New York Yankees is going to be a weapon coming out of their bullpen. And he looks great. If the Yankees get past the wild card game, you, you got to watch out. Last night, we put Carlos Rodon under the microscope. He was a Cy Young frontrunner on the AL side. He threw five scoreless innings fresh off the IL, but frankly did not look good doing it. I mean, his fastball velocity was 91-92. And when he was throwing no-hitter earlier in the year, he touched 99 on his 100th pitch. So he's down a tick. Jack Flaherty is not passing flying colors right now when we put him underneath the microscope. All of our pitching analysts are really curious to see how he looks 
as a bullpen weapon. And I think you still put him on the roster because a max effort, big moment could get really great stuff out of Jack Flaherty. But we really haven't seen that overpowering stuff yet. And it remains to be seen who that swing guy will be. I think the Cardinals were hoping Flaherty could be a weapon uh, one game at a time at this point. Uh, it's good to see that if you're a fan of the Cardinals, Max Scherzer has back-to-back clunkers on the mound because that game is everything, that wild-card game. Uh, but Flaherty, if the Cardinals can get past the Dodgers, becomes a very important person for this wild-card to World Series pursuit. Greg, I know every injury is different, every player is different, every series and every matchup is different, but I can't help but think back to Michael Waka and the postseason moment with Travis Ishikawa and and wonder if it really is smart to use Jack Flaherty in, in a high leverage situation when you don't know if he's 100%. Yeah, see, the difference there uh, with Michael Waka, as great as he was that year, he was a two-pitch guy, and he always was. That, that was so dominant that that it, it made sense to put in the bullpen. But there was always this debate as to whether or not Waka, without that third pitch, and a team seeing him over and over again, eventually he'd run into problems. He was extremely dominant, had a great run. Jack Flaherty has the triple-digit get-out-of-my-way stuff. Like, I don't have a feel for my slider today. I'll still strike out the side stuff. So that is that's what you're looking at with Jack Flaherty. And, and I know it, it hasn't worked all the time, but when you've got a guy who's got the best stuff on your team, it changes things. Keep in mind, Devin Williams punched a wall for the Milwaukee Brewers, and he is their version of, of Michael Waka, and, and he broke his hand. Now, the Brewers' strength is their bullpen. He's the, the, the bridge to, to Josh Hader. That's a significant injury. And I asked Dan Plesak, a former Brewer closer and legend, in my opinion, what are they going to do? Who's the next guy up? You know, who is it? Is it Boxberger? Start naming all these relievers. And he goes, it's such an important role, especially in October. He thinks Peralta should be removed from the rotation, who's got a 15.9K per nine as a reliever in his career, and be placed back in the bullpen because Devin Williams in the bullpen is more important than your game three starter in your rotation. So that is where October baseball is now. It's not a, not a marathon anymore. It is a sprint, and you need your gas and flamethrowers in the pen. So it, it, it is a trend. It is a trend, and Flaherty in a division series will be a very important reliever for the Cardinals. Okay, so that I, I got one other quick question for you, Greg, here. But before I get to that, I like – I read that story about Devin Williams last night uh, during the intermission, actually, when I was flipping around. And and I'm I'm thinking, OK, this guy clearly did not have Crash Davis as a mentor in the minors. Right. And, and you're going like like I would I wonder if there's like a media member out there that would have the guts to sit there and say, hey, d- d- they didn't teach it like like punch with your non pitching hand. Yeah. Like, like, holy cow, I, I read that, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, looking at Tim Robbins hovering over Kevin Costner going, well, what hand did you hit me with? But here, here's here's my question for you. Um, taking you out of St. Louis for, for a little bit here. There's another great story that's been going on for a little while, and it's just been kind of brewing, and now it's bubbling right to the surface in the final week. But but the fact that the Seattle Mariners can kind of eke their way in, I mean, to me, this has been as much fun to watch as, as the Cardinals' resurgence because they're coming out of nowhere, and they're putting some pressure on the big boys. 
And it's not just coming out of nowhere. I mean, this this, this is a team that had a front office that was completely vilified. I mean, the Kendall Graveman trade looked like they were waving the white flag when the team was within striking distance, and you had two months to go in, in, the, in the regular season. Kendall Graveman was their best reliever. He was in a walk year, and they traded him to their division rival while they were playing them in a series. So it was just an awful look. The optics were terrible. And everyone in St. Louis uh, didn't realize the people in Seattle and even the players for the Mariners were really upset with Jerry DePoto, the GM of the Seattle Mariners. They were upset. So imagine being Abraham Toro, who was the headline attraction they got in return for Kendall Graveman. He drags all of his gear over to the other clubhouse. And now he's in a clubhouse that doesn't want him there because one of the most popular players on the team was just traded to his old team. And it all came to a head about a month later when Abraham Toro hit a grand slam off Kendall Graveman, the two guys that were traded for each other. It was a symbolic moment. Jerry DePoto tried to tell the media to calm down that it was part of a bigger picture of philosophy that he had. And it's been working ever since. It goes back to the whole narrative. Guys, they know more than we do. They, we, they do, they do. And, and you know, look, what's happening in San Diego is, to me is one of the other big stories in baseball. They were my world's they're under 500. This is a clubhouse that is bailing out. They're just done with the manager. And when a team folds, it's ugly. And to see them give away a lead last night, they're done. They, they don't want this manager back. Chase Tingler will not be back, in my opinion. So you'll see these stories along the way. But what the Mariners are doing, I agree. It is absolutely ridiculously entertaining. And getting back to the Devin Williams thing, hey, man, I've made some really dumb decisions when I've been drunk. I really, really have. <laughs> He, he admitted that he drank too much at the party. And if I was held accountable for every dumb thing I did when I had a few too many, then man, oh, man, would I just be – it'd be a long, long list of dumb decisions Greg Amsinger made. So he's a young kid. Try to cut him some slack, and hopefully he's back and healthy throwing that change up next year. Yeah, Greg, can you imagine after some of your dumb, drunk decisions if you had to face the media and explain yourself? Oh, it's awful. Uh, not, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think it would just be my bad. Anyway, Greg, uh, last thing for you. Let's look forward to next week. Do you think it will be the Giants or the Dodgers? And do you think that the Cardinals are have a favorable matchup versus either of those teams? Uh, the Cardinals want the Giants in every which way. They would want to play the Giants, even though the Giants have, what, 104 wins, 105 wins. Who knows? The Giants could be 162-0 and right now. I'm not kidding. And the, the Cardinals would rather play the San Francisco Giants than the Los Angeles Dodgers. But that said, it's hard for me to continue to go against the Giants. It, it's becoming annoying at this point. Uh, I brought up a stat that I thought maybe will haunt the Giants last night. They're the worst team in baseball, believe it or not, in driving in a runner from third base with less than two outs. They're, the Giants are the worst team in baseball at that one skill. So what do you think they did to win a game last night? One nothing. Jack Fly with a runner at third base and less than two outs. Everything I say blows up in my face when it comes to the San Francisco Giants. The Giants will win the West. They will not play the Cardinals in the wild card game. And, man, the more, the more I second-guess them, they'll probably run the table in October and win the World Series. It's the most unrealistic dominant team in the history of Major League Baseball. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. Greg, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us. We always enjoy it, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Can't wait. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.